And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Garden Faithful, your Rangers podcast from The Athletic. Arthur Staple here and joined as always by my very fiery, the last couple times we've seen him on MSG Network co-host, Steve Valaket. Steve, are you are you ready for today? You feel, feel energetic? You feel like you're ready to compete? Yes, I do. I feel like <laughs> I'm ready to compete. That's a good way to put it. If you're not competing, what are, what are we doing here? What are we That's doing? That's right. And that factors into how we're going to start the show and probably go with the whole show because... It was a wild uh, weekend with three games at the Garden and four nights. Um, the Rangers went 1-1-1 one, one, and one. Um, Friday night against Ottawa. They blew a lead late and lost in overtime, basically to Brady Kachuk and not anybody else on the Senators. Saturday was a real stinker with lots of wild stuff. Jacob Truba getting in two fights, throwing his helmet, yelling at his teams, yelling at his teammates to wake the F up as he was skating off the ice from the second fight. They lost a, a very bad Chicago team 5-2. And then um, we were about 20 minutes away, I think, from something major happening on Monday. They were down 4-3 to a pretty bad Blues team and managed to come back and win. And now I think to start off talking about some of those games and some of the things we've seen from the Rangers and heard from the Rangers that have got Valley all fired up, um, the Chicago game on Saturday. After that game, you know, Gerard Gallant, we all know what kind of coach he is, and we all know, I think we can say right now, he is definitely on the hot seat. I think that's not a, a surprise to hear, newsworthy to hear. You know, he's got, we've got James Dolan, the owner of the Rangers, who uh, can be an impatient guy. I think Chris Jury uh, could be an impatient guy after 
the way that the team played last season and the way that they've played so far this season, we were through 27 games, not well enough. Um, and with Gallant, he was very kind of nonchalant, I guess. He, he tried to really downplay the bad stuff from, from Saturday's game. And Valley, you were not having any of it on the air, and I'm sure you're still not having any of it. And why did you feel so strongly about what Gallant said and, and how kind of the, the general tone of the reaction of that game? Well, the game that I watched to me was their worst effort in two years. So it stands out. It's not just uh, we didn't execute and our game plan failed. Um, You know, we hit multiple posts and we're unlucky. That wasn't really the narrative of that game. That game, more than any other game this season, and I'd have to go back a couple of years, I felt like, where I just didn't see a group that had belief uh, that had an effort or that that had a deep care in the outcome. That was that was the game that really, to me, uh, you know, I think everybody around the club probably hopes is rock bottom when you look back on it and then you go to Monday and you have a win. But I think that I think that what Gerard was trying to do was trying not to put any more pressure on the group and relieve it by giving them a vote of confidence. That to me just wasn't there. So I guess in my new role, I take offense to things like that because <laughs> I just watch the game and and I know it's a coach's thing that coaches do this. They'll say, no, uh, actually, this is what we did and this is how we played and you're not seeing the game the right way. And that just couldn't be further from the truth in that instance. That that was just, that's why I got hot on it. Now, you've played for all different kind of coaches throughout your pro and amateur career that you probably played for hard asses. You've played for, you know, the John Tortorella types. Um, you've played for players coaches. And I think we know, and, and Gerard has said it, he is a players coach. And I think for fans, you know, I'm certainly not trying to talk down any fans out there. It's based really on the feedback that I get. A lot of fans feel like pro NHL coaches are the same as little league coaches or midget hockey coaches where motivation is the main thing that they do. And that is 180 degrees from how it really is. Because as you know, well, that like there are some coaches that are good at giving speeches and motivating and and talking to guys. But if you're a pro athlete, pro hockey player, and you have no inner desire, inner compete, as you like to call it, what are you doing there? What, what, what's your, what's your reason for being uh, on this team, in this league, whatever. And it's not really the coach's job. And, and Turk, Treats his guys like adults, even the younger guys, which he means he gives them a lot of freedom to police themselves, to motivate themselves, to talk amongst themselves, to get themselves up for games. And he's kind of laying the blueprint, talks a bit, and I think that's really it. So with a a player's coach, when things start to go wrong, he's going to defend them, A, like he did on Saturday, and B, it's going to look, I think, to a lot of us like he's not doing anything. He's shuffling the lines. He's doing whatever, but he's not punching a clipboard. He's not throwing things. He's not ripping the screen down in the in the room between periods when the team isn't showing any life. Um, and I think that frustrates people a lot more. And certainly could be some important people that it frustrates too that they don't see that. So, in your experience as a player, when you're going through a funk like that, are you looking to to coach no matter what kind of person he is, no matter what kind of personality he is? Are you guys looking to say like somebody's got a got to smack us across the face here or we're not going to get it done. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I was just as you were talking there, I was just going through the list of the guys that I played for that are still in the NHL. 
Bruce Cassidy, uh, the Rangers are playing Vegas tonight. He was one of them. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux I played for. Peter Laviolette, John Tortorella. So a lot of guys are still in the league that I'm very familiar with, of course. And like Bruce Cassidy was hard. I did not play well for him, but he was hard on the personal level where I'd be walking down the hallway on an off day and I'd say good morning and he'd just walk right past me and look right through me. And now I'm like saying to myself, like, now what do I do the next time? Like, what, <laughs> what's, what's my move? You know, like next time I see him in the hallway and it's just him and I, what's my move? And um, uh, Boudreaux, really funny, like very light. He, he'd make you feel, he was one of the boys. Bruce yeah. Boudreaux's a, a really giddy type of coach. Laviolette I was flat out afraid of. Just, <laughs> just absolute death stare. Once again, like, look like when you had a meeting with him, you weren't sure if he was just going to jump over the desk and start strangling you. Like, I just didn't know. Um, Tortorella, Tortorella was funny because I, I always felt like his honesty was misguided a little bit because, you know, like he'd say certain things to me where it would be, uh, you know, Val, you're going to play the games that we don't think we're going to win this year. And we also... <laughs> won't be pulling you out of those games because I can't risk my starter. And I'd just be sitting there like, well, like I already knew my role on this team. I've, for four years, I've been playing 12 games a year. Like I know I know my role, but I don't need to know it that clearly. And <laughs> so there was, there was definitely certainly different parts of different coaches that I just, you have to deal with as a player. Uh, and you try not to allow it to affect your performance because you're always really focused on your performance. And I think with Gerard. What I see anyway, and it's, you know, I know what we're saying here, Arthur, we're not in the trenches, we're not in the room, but what I see is that, and oftentimes this is the case, you go from, with the organization, more of a hands-off approach with AV, and then you go Barker with, you know, Quinny, and then before that, of course, AV was Tortorella, more of a Barker, and then, you know, now you've got more of a hands-off guy with Gerard. So, you know, there's a certain parts of every season that some of that benefits you as a player. And last year, you know, I think that's what the Rangers oftentimes said. We hear Kako say it publicly. Um, I think Panarin as well, but guys would say, you know, it's nice not to hear it every time you came to the bench and that approach is great, but don't forget, you still need somebody that's going to make adjustments when you're in a playoff series. So hands off isn't all the way, you know what I mean? Like you, you really need, you really need your coach to make your adjustments when you do a necessary especially offensive zone face-offs when the time's right, especially coming out of a commercial break, all these things, like you've got to be alert. So um, in a roundabout way, I guess, you know, you're, you're kind of trying to figure out if you're the Rangers right now, what pushes our buttons, but what keeps us, I guess, ahead of the uh, curve in the league, because look around, I mean, the cream is rising to the top in the standings. You know, you, you got to get, you got to get some points here in three very difficult games, Vegas, Colorado, New Jersey. Can you think of a harder three games to come off of after playing St. Louis, Ottawa twice in Chicago? Like, are you kidding me? Like this schedule is going to get hard. Um, So this is huge. I mean, I watched Pittsburgh last night and they looked machine-like against Columbus. Uh, Washington's first three weeks of November were brutal, but they're playing. They're playing now and they've got Philadelphia tonight. I mean, Florida won a President's Trophy last year, and they're on the outside looking in. I just think the competition for the Rangers right now to get in, Arthur, it's going to get serious really quickly if these three games don't go well. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, 
Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So just continuing on the, the theme of what gets you to wake up, you know, and quite literally the captain throwing his helmet at the boards to get everybody's attention and saying, wake the F up to his teammates in the in front of 18,000 people at Madison Square Garden. Very different than saying it behind closed doors between periods or before a game or after a game in a, in a players only meeting, which of which they've had one of those in the last couple of weeks as well. Um, what do you make of that? You know, I think that uh, the way that Truba carried himself through those two games on Friday and Saturday where he, he, his play had slipped, he was, dropped down to a third pair role essentially for that week. Um, didn't didn't play that great. He was on for the one goal in Ottawa where they won, the, the game that they won uh, with Zach Jones. Wasn't Truba's fault, but he's still on for it. Um, his clearing attempt, great play by Thomas Shabbat, and then boom, it's right back towards the net and in the net to tie it on Friday before Ottawa wins it in overtime. Um, you know, he's doing what he can do, and I think – angering a lot of people in the process with his big with the big hit especially on Athanasiu who had a big problem with it as well but if you're on a team with Jacob Truba are you saying are you feeling embarrassed that he's the only one that's showing that kind of emotion or are you responding to it because they certainly didn't respond to it on Saturday night well I'd start by saying that I love what he's doing uh physically and doing whatever he can to get everybody engaged you could see it he was on the hunt he he had two hits in the first period of that Chicago game on Dickinson, and then he went after him again in the second period. But it was building, and it, it was coming. I think everybody understands that uh, he knows his role here. He's the captain. He's the leader. He's physically going to lead. He's going to do everything that he can. Uh, for Athanasiu to have something to say after that hit, see, I don't like that because people just – a lot of a lot of people in the NHL don't think that they're ever eligible to be hit anymore, which I, I, I just can't believe, right, because it's not – it's not the league that I grew up watching, uh, the one that I got to play in, the one that I cover now. It just seems like it's getting, boy, it's getting soft. And, and players have a lot to say about about things that they shouldn't even be opening their mouths about because imagine what – I don't even want to go there. It's, it's a long road that gets me frustrated when I talk about that kind of stuff. But back to Truba, the hardest thing to do is lead when you're not at your best. And, I'm t- you know, he knows it. He's not playing his best hockey. And I think it's very difficult to get on that soapbox and have a position of power in the locker room when you're not playing your best. So can you imagine how frustrated he is? He knows he's not really feeling it. He's had some bad luck. He's not feeling great. And, um, you know, we don't even know the severity of that. Might find out soon or, or maybe even, you know, after the season. But, you know, so I wonder about that too. I'm very cautious to be critical of a player when I don't know how they're physically doing because some guys do not play injured and some guys do. And I've seen it my entire life in this game. And it's very hard sometimes when you're on the team and you hear the media talk about a certain player, take shots at him, And then everybody in the room knows he's playing through an injury for us. So I, you got to be careful there too. I think when you're trying to cover Truba the right way right now, it's interesting to hear all that, Steve. And, and, you know, there's the dynamics of the locker room and how how guys perceive each other and, again, how different the perception is on the outside. 
But we'll skip ahead to the win on Monday, which again, like I- I'm sure you felt it too after the second period. If that goes down as whatever a six three or a seven four loss, like I'm flying out to Vegas yesterday thinking I'm buying the Wi-Fi the minute we get above ten thousand feet because I don't know what's going to happen because that would have been another another real glaring red flag for this team this season. But they pulled it out, and uh, Gerard Gallant did not take your advice that you gave after the second period. Alexi Lafreniere uh, was kind of the main topic where he took another offensive zone penalty, a very needless one, behind the Blues net. He tackled Colton Pareko, gave the Blues a power play. They scored 10 seconds into it, it felt like. Uh, and that kind of started to turn that game a little bit. And instead of benching him, which is what you would have done if you were coaching Lafreniere and what I think a lot of people wanted, Gallant took a different tack. And he bumped Lafreniere and Capo Caco up to play with Mika Zibanejad. And Lafreniere, lo and behold, tips in the the winning, the eventual winner midway through the third, has an assist as well, um, seemed to put something good together that we haven't seen from him in, in quite a few weeks. And uh, and it was it was an interesting choice. I mean, I, I certainly would have been on the fence. He's he's really not shown anything positive in the last couple of weeks. And I think, you know, the debate among fans and among watchers of this team is this guy is a first overall pick. Why is he only getting 12 or 13 minutes a night? He should be doing this. He should be doing that. Well, yes, but you still have to earn it no matter what age you are. And mm-hmm. he didn't really earn this promotion in that game, but it still worked out. So I'm curious to hear what you think about that decision and what you think about Lafreniere going forward here, because he's an important guy for this team, for sure. The only correction I'd make on what you just said there, Arthur, is that I would have already had benched him. So it wouldn't have been that game that would have already happened if I was coach. And the only reason, the only reason why I can say that is because I am a coach every summer. And through the season, I coach as well. But the summers are intensive. And, and the reason why is because I've got a lot of new shooters, guys that are coming from college and young pros. And sometimes it's a prep school kid. And when I write, when I run a camp and it's Monday through Friday, um, if you show up every day, you get paid on Friday, 20 bucks an hour, every shooter, every guy. But one rule I have is that if you don't show up unannounced through the week, you will continue to come, but you're not getting paid. That's just the way it is, right? Call the labor board, I suppose. But, <laughs> but, but my thing is, is that everybody learns, everybody learns punctuality that works with me. Okay. Um, what happens once when it's egregious cannot happen twice. If it happens twice, it will surely happen a third and fourth time. All right. And that's why Lafreniere's offensive zone penalties keep happening. Um, in the summertime, again, when I have somebody that comes in late, um, that first time they are doing herbies. Okay. That's, that's what, that's the punishment. It's a herbie. It's uh, goal line, blue line, goal line, red line, goal line, far blue line, goal line, goal line back. All right. You do two of them, two Herbies. All right, let's get back into practice. But because there's some physical punishment there and it's a little embarrassing for guys to come in when they are late. Well, they don't want to be late again. And then there's the threat of money too, right? Like I'm not, I'm not paying you if you come in late. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And the way I always tell these guys is that, look, would you rather learn from me here in the summer at the Wonderland of Ice in Bridgeport? Or do you want to learn in the first week of your season at the University of Michigan? What do you want to do? Like learn here. So 
when we talk about player development on previous podcasts and, and things, like that's why the American League's helpful. Because when you teach somebody punctuality, they don't have the bright lights or the following of media covering them, right? So that's why, that's another reason why I like the American League, because these guys are young. They're going to make mistakes. Like that's all Lafreniere has done is just made some mistakes, but they're highlighted because he's in the National Hockey League. Um, he's on pace for 12 goals this year. He's on pace for 12 goals. Yeah, he had 19 last year. And the math is getting hard for the team to get in the playoffs. So yeah, you need him to go. And for Gerard to play him up there and, and do it that way, I suppose it was, what else are you going to do at that point? And, I, and mm-hmm. I get it. And I get your point. Like, what else are you going to do? It's kind of run its course with, uh, with, with the penalties in the offensive zone. So you, now you're just got to play him and, and great. He got a goal, but be interesting to see if he and Kako play with Zibanejad again tonight against Vegas. I'm not hundred percent sure about the lines yet, but you know, uh, Take the positive and the team scores three times in the third period. So you win. Sure. I didn't love the game, but huh, well, we'll see what happens in Vegas tonight. It's going to be a big test. Vegas is kind of scuffling though. So it's a, it's an interesting time to play them. They're giving up a lot in their own zone. So maybe, maybe you have that same uh, impact that you did have in the third period. And I also like the game in Ottawa, the way the Rangers scored in that game. Yeah. So maybe maybe you work the things from the points and the D are really chipping in with a lot of points right now, too. So that's been working for them. The thing with Lafreniere and the thing with Keandre Miller, who had the tying goal, his first goal of the year. These two guys are on expiring entry level deals. Now, second contracts are what they are. Could be eight times 8.35, which is the Tim Stutzla extension uh, in Ottawa. Or it could be, you know two times three or whatever Capo Caco got um, as a bridge deal. You know, I think there's a lot of range in between. Keandre Miller hasn't been indifferent this year or, or invisible. He's He's been struggling, I think, a lot in part because his partner's been struggling and he's still a young guy. And I think he still feeds off of and reads off of Truba. Um, but I think the potential is still there. And I don't think you sacrifice that with a guy like him and certainly coming off the second half and playoffs that he had last year. So he's still in line for something big coming out of this, uh, coming out of this season, no matter what the results are with Lafreniere though, this is a very important year for him. And I, and I'm sure, you know, I had heard, you know, on the, on the, the grapevine around the league that uh, when Stutzla, who was the third pick in the draft where Lafreniere was taken first two years ago, when Stutzla signed that Mac, that major extension in Ottawa, it was definitely noticed by Lafreniere and his camp. I'm sure he felt like, well, if I have a good season or if I play the way that, you know, if I can get more minutes, if I can do this, that could be me. And it sounds it sounds absurd to talk about that right now. Like you're saying, he's on a 12-goal pace and he is getting diminishing minutes. And I think he's earned them, quite frankly, but by not doing enough. And it's a real catch-22. You know, I think if you if your plan is still to have him be part of this core going forward, it's probably an okay thing if he doesn't shine this year because it saves the Rangers some very valuable cap space because you can think more about the bridge deal. But but I also you might miss the playoffs and end up having to blow a lot of stuff up anyway. So it's it's a it's a tough spot to be in for Chris Jury and for Gerard Gallant. And I, I have to feel like all of those things wherever if they're it running you know running through Gallant's head in between periods there where he's got to decide am I gonna sit this guy or drop him down or leave him on the bench every other shift 
in the third period as we try to come back here. Is that it? Have I lost him for good this year where he's mm-hmm. just going to be – he's going to score nine goals and he's not going to care and he's going to be you know the last one in and the first one out and that – that scuttles it maybe for good. Maybe he asks, maybe he wants out. Maybe he doesn't want to sign here. Maybe a lot of different things. So like you said, I, I, I get why he's, he zigged when we all thought he might've zagged uh, in terms of his coaching decision. But now I feel like whether Lafreniere starts this game tonight with Mika Zibanejad or if Philip Hedl comes back and he's with him or he's with whoever, you still got to realize that you have to have an impact. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that has sunk in for him for whatever reason. You know, I'm sure, like I said, when he's just finished a home and home with Stutzla's team, where that guy's getting top line minutes and top power play minutes, and he's a point of game guy, and he's got the fat contract coming starting next year. I'm sure. I'm sure it's bruising to you know to Lafreniere's ego to see that and hear that, and he's and he here he is getting his 15 shifts a night, and that's it. But that's not. You know that that's where we talk about your your point of compete. If you don't show up and compete in this league, no matter where you got drafted or who you are, you're not going to play, especially on a good team. Just just the way it is. I mean, it's always earned. Uh, you know, you send you send the message to everybody. Every move you make, right, Arthur? Like that's just the way the game is. Every move. There's um there's so many subplots during a season. I've seen it. <laughs> oh my God, so many cases. And now that I, of course, work with NHL teams and, and have client teams. I'm aware of what's going on, maybe a player. And I know of one where he's not on the power play on a different team. And that really upsets everybody on the power play. They want him on, but the team doesn't want him on. They want to bring in a young guy. So there's subplots everywhere. And once again, like we don't know exactly what's happening in that room, those private meetings and stuff. So the only thing that I feel that you can do as a coach is is use the bar the the chip that you have that carries the most weight and and it's ice time. You, you know that's the only thing you can do. You can take away if you want to teach a lesson in the league the way it's set up right now. It is taking away what is most precious to the player, and that's ice time. And that could be power play time. It could be five on five time. It could be moving them down in the lineup. But I you know I think you're also in a tough spot right now with Lafreniere because he's got four goals. You know, you, you want to get them going and going into the season, Kako and Lafreniere were going to be two huge pieces to contribute offensively, to help you have depth and to ha- to make this engine really move through the season. And those two things, those two guys haven't really brought it yet. You know, you, you hope it's coming and um, it's very difficult to be patient with with young players. That's that's the nature of the game. Right. And you you look through all the drafts and that's. That's what we're always trying to figure out. Do these guys do these guys really believe in themselves? And we have to put them in a position to find confidence. And if they don't have confidence, it's because it's based on a bad experience, missing an open net. You know, Lafreniere missed one in the last game against St. Louis, right? And Kako missed one. And so, like, you, you know they're getting tight as scorers. They've scored their entire lives, and now they're not scoring. Yeah, I think Kako might need to sacrifice an animal or something like this guy. I I don't think I've seen a run like that the last pretty much since LA. I think when Cal Peterson made that ridiculous his last good save in the NHL, where he made that diving save <laughs> yeah. coming back to an empty net. Like Kako, I know he's got a goal in that time, but you know he's and he's playing well. And that's the hard part is that he's a guy I think who's he's getting chances right, working to get his chances. He's playing smart in his own end. He plays smart in the neutral zone. 
and you just can't finish. So that, so it, you lump them in together, him and Lafreniere. But I think they've gotten to this point in very different, very different paths. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Tonight here in Vegas against a good team, albeit a struggling one. Colorado, I think maybe this would be the first bit of luck for the Rangers. They're getting in there. No McKinnon. Lots of guys banged up. Um, it's still a tough place to go in for a one-and-done East Coast team to play at altitude, so that's going to be tough on Thursday. And then home for Jersey and home for the Leafs, two of the hotter teams in the Eastern Conference. So this, you know, we talk about some of the numbers, whether it's Thanksgiving or December 1st. I think the December 1st one is um, if you're out of a playoff spot on December 1, I think only 23% chance to uh, – 23% of the team's have made the playoffs that have been out of a playoff spot on December 1. The Rangers are right there. They're not four points back, which is kind of a, a bigger number than you think. They're not way down at the bottom where you're saying like, oh, if, if they can reel off six in a row. They need two or three wins in a row to get themselves stable. And um, this, is a t- this is a tough, tough four-game stretch that they've got coming up. And you know, it's probably good that these first two are on the road. They've been good on the road. Um, they've been not, not so good at home and obviously Jersey handed it to them a couple weeks ago. When we're out of this four game stretch, Steve, you know, I think we're going to, like you said, we're going to know a lot about not just this team and its makeup, but whether this team is going to still be this team going into the new year and whether they're going to, you know, whether Chris Jury is going to make any major changes to, to in desperation mode to get them into it this year or whether, they even have a chance to to compete for a playoff spot this year. And that's the reality if you lose three or four in a row and in, in the position they're in. So what um is it is it really just come down to this team is good enough and if they show a little heart that they can still be the team that they were last year? Yes. I'm I'm still gonna be I'm still bullish on this team. I'm not I'm not giving up on them. Uh their offense is too skilled. They have too much skill. Uh, defensively, they're better than last year. Um, I just think that right now, um, <laughs> look, I was I was really shocked about Saturday's game against Chicago because of the effort, right? And I, I just hope that they they really take something out of that third period against St. Louis on Monday and carry it into this road trip. And and I'm thinking about this too. It's not bad to leave the Garden right now. For yeah. a couple of games. Like it's not. It, the Garden hasn't been good to the team this year. They haven't had a great record at home. In a, in a, a lot of what I look at anyway, they have better numbers on the road this year. And I think as a group, they would understand the urgency right now, Arthur. Like the math is going to get so hard if they don't get a win in Vegas, a win in Colorado. And, and like you said, I know that McKinnon's out. And so there's definitely some help there. But it doesn't change the fact the Rangers have to go 15 games above 500 to get in. That's that's my thing. I, I believe they have to go 35 and 20 to get in. So that's a that's a big ask. That's yeah. a big ask. But I know this team. If everybody digs in and and plays the right way, they can do it. But 
I, you know, earlier in the podcast, I'd forgotten about the Toronto game. I'm only looking at the next three games. Like then you have Toronto. So it's those four games. Oh my goodness. This is going to tell everybody everything about the team and the league and how, how and where they stand after these four games, Arthur, because of, because of the implications on getting closer and then over the cut line. I mean, it's, they're going to be, they're muscling with some good hockey clubs right now to get in. And I, and I just think it's going to, it's going to really tell us a lot around this time next week, we're going to have a pretty good understanding of uh, how, how this season's going to shape up for the team. Well, uh, no pressure on the Rangers and no, and I'm sure that it's a bit of a cliffhanger for our listeners who, when we'll come back next week, we could, uh, we could have a much more, a much clearer picture of what's going to happen the rest of the season. So, uh, you have to hope that out of these four, if they get, you know, you want all eight points, but I think six or seven is really the target number, I would say, right? Well, um, you know that the the five game segment that's not just a math exercise. That's that's a way to get into the playoffs. And right yeah. now, um, after the last segment where they only had three points in their fifth five game segment, now they're behind. They're behind by three. Yeah. So you know, so they they averaged out over the first four five game segments with six points because they went seven points, five points, five points, seven points. So. This last segment really hurt them. One, three, and one in the previous uh, five. And now they're one and one. They've got three games, these three. Uh, Vegas, Colorado, New Jersey. That is the three games remaining in this sixth, fifth game segment, five game segment. And uh, I mean, this is what it is, guys. Like, I know that managers look at this. I, I know the players don't. But don't forget, the people behind the scenes that make moves, they make it based on what I just said. You know, that's that's the urgency here. You've got to, it's all about getting in. I Honestly, Arthur, I don't care if Rangers get in with the one seed or the eight seed. Everybody's a good team. Everybody's yeah. a good team. We saw it last year. Every team had 100 points that made it from the Eastern Conference. So I could care less who they match up against. I'm not even worried about that. This is a playoff team on paper, and now they have to just show it on the ice. That's it. Very simple. Thanks as always, my friend. This is great stuff. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. And thanks for everyone out there to listening to Garden Faithful. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review if you're enjoying the show. It really helps us out. You can subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then it's just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. Steve Valiquette, Chris Flannery, Arthur Staple. Big week coming up. We'll catch you next week.